we know that you wanted to be at the Fight Laugh Feast Conference, but you can't come all the days. We have a day pass where you can come on Saturday where you get to hear great speakers like Pastor Doug Wilson, Pastor Jared Longshore, Pastor Toby Sumter, Cross Politics Live Show with Jason Woodlock and Megan Basham. Join us for the Sabbath Feast where we get to laugh with comedian John Brannion all for the low, low price of $99. Sign up for the day pass, flfnetwork.com. Looking forward to seeing you there at the conference. Good evening, America. Moscow, Idaho is actually back in the news. And our corporate partner, Cannibal to You, got deleted from Google Play App Store. Yep. You know, and it's a good thing. And the Republican Party has issues. And you're saying, Gabe, tell us something new. Uh, hopefully I will. The Water Break team is here to discuss. So grab your best scotch and Dr. Pepper and enjoy the show. As you know, I first got a plug here for you guys. Um, cross politics is going to be in Wenatchee October 21st for a workshop and live cross-politics show. Friday afternoon, Pastor Toby will kick things off at 3 p.m. talking about correcting the civic wobble we're in, you know, the three spheres of government, God, uh, church, family, uh, um, uh, civic government. Uh, Waterboy will be talking about the church pandemic. Ugh. And Pastor Wilson and Dr. Ben Merkel will be joining us in the live show at 7.30 that night discussing big COVID, big government, big ed. This will uh, event will be held at Grace City Church and is sponsored by Kings Cross Wenatchee. It is free to the public. For questions, please email kingscrosswenatchee at gmail.com, kingscrosswenatchee at gmail.com. And we look forward to seeing you in Wenatchee October 21st. Cannonball or belly flop? We are living in fun and tumultuous times. Uh, the FBI is raiding Biden's opponents. Biden can't remember how to walk off the stage. And Kamala Harris thinks we have a solid alliance with North Korea. Literally, she said that this last week. We need to remember in all this that God is sovereign. God sees the wicked scheme scheming. He knows every detail of what is happening here and now. Um, one of the central themes in the Gospels is Jesus teaching on the kingdom. There are too many references to list here, but um, let me just provide you with a selection of this. The kingdom is like a mustard seed, Matthew 13, 31. Seek first the kingdom of God, Luke 6, 33. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the Lord's Prayer. After Jesus' baptism, his first sermon on repentance it was for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 17. The very act of Jesus casting out demons meant that the kingdom of God had come, had, had come, Matthew 12, 28. And lastly, Jesus ends his earthly preaching ministry by declaring that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. This means that Jesus is king of kings, Lord of lords, not only in heaven, but on earth. We don't believe in a Gnostic kingship that Jesus is king of only spiritual matters. No, we believe that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father, and is ruling over the whole earth until all his enemies are put under his feet. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 25. The church has been plagued by Gnosticism. We, I don't think we understand how much Gnosticism has seeped in um, uh, the church, which means we have bought into the idea that Jesus is king in heaven, and kind of only over, you know, spiritual matters here on earth. 
The modern church thinks Jesus, when Jesus returns, the world is going to go away and disappear and, and all the Christians will go up to the fluffy clouds in heaven. But, but God loved the world so much that he gave his only son for the world. King Jesus came to die to, die to save the world. He did not come to die and grab the faithful few and disappear into heaven. The reality is that Jesus is in the process of building a new heavens and new earth. That's Isaiah 65, 66. And he's restoring this broken world and everything in it. The world is, is not going to disappear in, at the end of time. Or what would the meek inherit? Our enemies are going to scheme. As I mentioned, they're going to plot vain things. They're going to cheat, beg, and steal. But no matter what evil they're cooking up, God is in heaven and we are on earth. And we can take great comfort that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords here on earth. Now, recently, one of our corporate partners, Accountable to You, got kicked out of Google Play Store um, for Android. This is more of the kind of wicked scheming, um, you know, the wicked are scheming because they're, they're driven by their lust for all kinds of evil. And anything that restrains them in their lust, they will attack, malign, and delete in this case. This just makes me proud to be friends with the guys over at Accountable to You and thankful that Ben and Eric are actually joining the show with us right now. Now, uh, Ben, you want to bring, bring Ben in? Ben, apparently, and Eric, uh, uh, you got an email from Google on September 21st saying your app was deleted from the store. And then the next day, Wired came out with a hit piece on the 22nd. Uh, my dates, make sure my dates are right here. And Accountable yeah, right. Right. hitting Accountable yeah. to you and Covenant Eyes. Um, start at the beginning. What What happened here? So, like you said, on Wednesday, we got the email. Um from Google and basically citing us for a malware pi uh, policy um, violation. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, obviously it took us by surprise, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we we were kind of scrambling of, you know, how do we react to this? And then I was on vacation, uh, go figure. Mm -hmm. And then on uh, Thursday, uh, Wired Magazine published their hit piece. Um, and the title was The Ungodly Surveillance of anti-porn shameware apps. Wow, yeah. And so um, they they kind of took credit for um, showing their findings of, um, you know, the, the article itself focused on the individuals who installed our software, installed Covenant Eyes, mm -hmm. and basically didn't like the, um, you know, the monitoring that we were providing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they contacted Wired and um, let them know that they didn't appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, and so Wired basically called us a surveillance software for policing sinful behavior. Wow. And so I took those findings to Google and um, Google, uh, you know, they removed us. Um, so we're appealing that decision, obviously. Um, that's a yeah. responsible thing to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, well, that's where it stands right now. So, so Eric, our... Are you guys, you know, disobeying any sort of um, uh, Google qualifications for being in the App Store? What What's the rub here? Why what, what did they use to justify kicking you guys out of the App Store? Yeah, you know, that's a, a good question. They said that we are violating the malware policy. Um, and we've we've been on the Google Play Store for years. Uh, our app has been there. It's been reviewed numerous times by Google. Uh, every time we, we publish a release, it gets reviewed and approved. 
Um, and so we've been following the policies. So I, I don't, going through them, we didn't see any sort of glaring fallacy that any way that we were violating the policies. And we, we wrote to Google expressing that, um, mm -hmm. you know, in our appeal. Mm -hmm. and, and Ben, do you think, um, what made me kind of go to the line of reasoning I kind of went down when, when, when I read your article and the, and the links that you guys sent me, um, is how much money is Google getting from the porn industry? I mean, seriously, because you guys, you guys are, you know, uh, accountability software for the porn industry. So on our side, I, I don't know those numbers, um, okay. you know, and I don't really know their, their outreach there. We know that um, Google traditionally has not, has not been a friend to, um, you know, conservative believers. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty clear. Um, I don't know if the intent in this article or if this action was due to, you know, the pornography industry as a whole, or if this was more a technical, um, challenge, if you will, mm -hmm. um, by Wired. And the reason I say that was because of the, the way the art, the, the Wired article was written. Yeah. Um, they were challenging us, uh, challenging us on our kind of our definition of, you know, biblical accountability. Yeah. And offering transparency on a person's device, that a willing person's device, right? Yeah, they, they willingly yeah. download the app and sign up and then share their accountability with you or, or Bob or their, you know, friend down the road or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, accountability has been used uh, not only in the biblical sphere, obviously, but, I mean, you got health apps, right? Yeah. And you got accountability used there just fine. And you share a lot of personal data and health apps. Hmm. And so for us, it was like, okay, well, you know, our job is to make a device transparent and share that activity with someone that the user willfully chooses. And so it's all up to them to make that wise decision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the article called out a specific church who in the church's own statement said, you know, they're, we would recommend this to everybody and you, but we also recommend that you use a trusted friend of yours or someone else, yeah. not necessarily church staff. Mm -hmm. In this case, I think it was church staff that was selected. Um, and you know, there was that kind of power imbalance, if you will. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the rub, Right. but our software is designed for a person willingly sharing their, their data with full consent to somebody else that they trust. And so are, are there other, it seems like they're trying to get you guys on a technicality. Uh, it seems like they could get any app that's using the, um, what is it? Accessibility. Yeah. That's um, one of the things we use. Uh -huh. Accessibility could, permissions. Yeah. It seems like they could go after any app then. That's seems like, like help. So uh, I, there's a good point there in that. I think we ought to, we ought to be clear that there are, hundreds of anti-porn, uh, both blocking, filtering, and uh, various levels of accountability apps that are still on the Google Play Store. Um, we are probably one of the, we're, we're one of the leading uh, names in accountability alongside, yep. uh, you know, Covenant Eyes is, yep. was, took a big hit in this, this piece as well. But, yep. um, but the stance that we specifically take against uh, pornography as sin, not just as a, you know, a bad idea, a bad habit, uh, no. but actually 
going against God's law. Um, and some other, there, there were some other uh, items that made it into the, the, the piece as well. That, but just basically the things that we, uh, that we monitor for mm -hmm. and the reason that we, we say that this is wrong uh, and the whole concept of how uh, we, we say that it's, it's a good idea to bring somebody else into your life to, to, um, uh, that you trust, mm -hmm. to be able to speak into your life and say, hey, I don't think that was a, a wise idea. What do you think about, you know, to, to have that open conversation about these, these issues? Right. Uh, they just they just did not like that. In fact, the the article calls it ungodly surveillance, which is particularly ironic, considering that this this author does not seem to actually believe in the biblical God, yeah, or maybe any God. Yeah. What do you what do you what do you make of it? You know, they in in the article, the Wired article, they called y'all shameware. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that was really funny. But I mean, according to their standard. Um, you know, the health apps are shameware. The, the right, other right. monitoring apps are shameware. Yeah, anything else. And, and, I mean, it's just, that's just absurd because like Ben said, there are, there, accountability is a proven way to, uh, to, to bring somebody into your life to be able to move forward in any area. Uh, it just so happens that this area actually is confronting a sin. Yeah. Um, and, and sin is actually, so shame is, <laughs> is not a bad thing. Right. Um, it's it's actually a negative emotion, but it's a it's a right response when we're confronted that's with right. our offense against a holy God or somebody, whether that's you know in our own heart or somebody coming up uh, and saying, "Hey, brother, uh, that wasn't a good idea." Mm -hmm. um, so, but shame is a right response. It's just it, it ought to drive us to Christ. And I guess if you don't have uh, anything to do with it, what do you do with shame if you don't have grace, mercy, forgiveness at the cross? Um, we as Christians have a place to take shame uh, and and then and, and to leave it there, right? So shame is actually good because it turns us around. And then once you've done that, you live in freedom. And right. and uh, that's what we do with with accountable to you. Uh, we we promote freedom because uh, when you're transparent with somebody, uh, you're you're living in a basis of trust. Ben, Eric, thank you guys so much for coming on the show, and thank you for for standing on truth and all this and responding with the gospel. I read you all's follow up letter, public letter on this, and um, just great follow up with the gospel and standing firm on on this issue and not compromising. And I, I pray that God blesses you guys through all this, man. Good work. Well, thank, thank you, Thanks, God. Glory. Amen. Amen. We'll see you guys in Knoxville. So um, the Republican Party. You know the, the the party that's supposed to be known as the uh, you know capital capitalistic party the 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 freedom party the party that wouldn't delete your app out of the app store over pornography um, blocking pornography usage <laughs> supposedly that's the Republican Party uh, I want to bring Joseph back home you know there seems to me uh, there's that there's a divide that's starting to happen. I don't know, in the in kind of in the foundational level, people can't see it. I don't, it's, it's a divide that's starting to happen that's not very noticeable in the Republican Party yet. Um, but you got recently, I read this uh, this article where Mitt Romney is not endorsing Mike Lee in Utah. Um, uh, you know, he's kind of remaining neutral in that race. Um, and, and then you you, you just kind of have the, um, some serious disagreement with um, uh, Lindsey Graham recently, uh, Mitch McConnell. It seems like there's this this 
you know, old guard divide or, or rhino divide happening with the with the more liberty caucus in the Republican Party. I'm not quite sure where to put my finger on it, but what's your take on what's happening in the Republican Party and all this? Well, I mean, that's a that's a complicated question because, I mean, every every single person has their own kind of agenda. But really, I mean, it, it's important, I think, for us to realize as, as you engage in public policy. And, and this is just one more piece of evidence that political parties are not good and they are not bad. Right. They are they are vehicles that those of us who are kingdom minded uh, can use if. Uh, if wisdom suggests and uh, and the opportunity allows to advance truth, but that is not inherently what they are, are doing in any sense that the Republicans are always the good guys and the Democrats are always the bad guys. Uh, yeah, if we haven't done away with that, we should do away with that now, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so Mitt Rodney, it, politically, this is just really, really unusual first for a mm -hmm. sitting Republican senator to not endorse the other Republican senator from their state. It would be very unusual if it was in the Democratic Party as well, right? I mean, it's just so strange that you would not affirmatively endorse the incumbent in your own state. And why is that? Um, you know, I'm not inside Mitt Romney's head. My speculation is it has something to do with Trump because Trump broke basically everyone's brain one way or another. Those who, yeah. you know, see he, he can do no evil and those who think he can do no right. Yeah. Right. And so um, the, the way um, I think my speculation would be that they didn't like the fact that Mike Lee in 2020 doubted the perfection of elections. And for mm -hmm. some reason, that's strange that you can't raise questions about the validity of elections, whether the, the chain of custody, uh, which in some states just can't be proven. And that, to me, is a concern. Does that mean you're crazy? But there's a lot of people for whom if, yeah. you, if you have any questions about the perfection of only the 2020 election, you can have doubted every other election before that. But if you doubted the perfection of the 2020 election, uh, you are, of course, an enemy to democracy. And uh, Mike Lee certainly did. I don't know if that's what uh, what Senator Romney's issue is. Maybe there's something else between the two of them that none of us have any idea about. And it's just very personal. I don't know. Uh, but it's strange politically and what it does in the Republican Party is it probably so, uh, sows a lot of other seeds of doubt for his other colleagues in that caucus because yeah. they would question whether uh, Romney would, you know, have their back as well. Yeah. What do you, if you were in the... the the Republican room, whatever room that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we are heading into 20, uh, 2022 elections here in November. What, what advice would you be given Republicans as they're running into this November election? Oh man. Well, I, I think, you know, the abortion issue has become interestingly, one of the defining issues of, of this term, the Republicans want to make it all about uh, Biden, right? Because nobody is happy with what Biden is doing. And they are trying to make it all about Trump and abortion. And mm -hmm. I honestly think the Republicans have to take a position on that issue, which they've done very, very cautiously uh, and, and allowed the left to define the Republicans on the issue of abortion and essentially say, oh, they all, all the pro-lifers, they want to throw you in jail if you get an ectopic pregnancy. Uh, and that that's because they are filling the void by by the by virtue of the right and conservatives and republicans and pro-lifers not having a really strong unified voice of this is what it means to right. be pro-life this is what we're trying to accomplish right now now it's true right. that you know um the public 
you know, if you pulled the public, they may not be in support of a heartbeat bill nationally, but they're also not in favor of killing kids hours before they're born, right? So right. if you just propose something that is politically acceptable and also moving in the right direction, I think you can define your own pro-life position rather than having left uh, define that. So I think that's one thing that the Republican Party needs to do a better job just stop being afraid of things that are right and good and true and defend those, even if your pollster says maybe you should. You know, the new prime minister of Italy, um, Georgia Milani, um, uh, is there anything Republicans, I know it's two different countries, two different political landscapes, but is there anything Republicans can learn from her and how she won uh, her office? I think so. I think saying obvious things and being fearless in saying things that are obvious, like, you know, we should defend the institution of the family. We should not be afraid to say that kids need a mom and a dad and that the family is good and that men are men and women are women. We should not be afraid to say those things. And the reason why I think she's unique um, is that she is saying those things and, and fearlessly so. And, and conservatives seem to be timid about that. Because we don't want to. And, and I think the timidity is really what turns off even our base. You're always going to have the far left who's going to not like you anyway. But when you say true things timidly and fearfully and, and, and uh, cautiously, that makes that convinces people or it suggests that you don't actually believe those things. And it makes your friends not that enthusiastic about you as well. Mm -hmm. Joseph, always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Thanks for coming on. Anytime. Good, good to see you. Yeah. So Joseph brings up abortion as being a key issue in November and, and the governor of California, he sees that uh, he's making a major issue out of abortion. In fact, recently, if you have not followed this, we brought this up on the show this past week, uh, governor Newsolini or Newsom recently released a marketing campaign in a number of States. Uh, but the one in Mississippi stuck out the most to me. Um, you know, since Mississippi's exercising its state rights, you know, to end abortion, which they now they have that right, they've always had that right. Um, California and Mussolini are targeting the state of Mississippi with a marketing campaign, and you know, because California is an abortion sanctuary state or whatever you want to call it now. And in that in that marketing campaign, I think I think Governor Newsom took billboards out through through the state of Mississippi. And in that marketing campaign saying, hey, fly to California to get an abortion. It also said, and quoted the Bible and said, you need to love your neighbor. Um, uh, Jacob Daniels, you guys know him. He's, he's from California. He's, a, he's, a, he's in the belly of the beast in this marketing campaign. Well, what is, what is happening here? Why is Governor Newsom doing this and why is this happening? Gabe, uh, let me begin by saying that uh, you mentioned about uh, the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed that grows into a tree. Uh, it is definitely an attack on the inheritors of that kingdom who also begin as a seed. So it's an attack on the seed as well in that regard. And I think uh, um, what's happening is uh, a kind of reactionary pushback against the recent uh, Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade. And uh, I think I agree with Joseph in this, that one of the key reasons that I guess is uh, Newsom's national ambition. I mm. think he's increasingly positioning himself as a progressive candidate for 2024, um, though he's denying that at that at, at current moment. Mm. Um, he has a stronger position here at home uh, compared to his Republican opponent, uh, State Senator Brian Dale. Mm. Um, despite the wor worry about the crime rate and the housing prices, uh, Newsom does have uh, an overwhelming lead in the polls. Not just that he has actually 
gathered about $24 million for re-election. Compare that with his opponent, which is only 500000 And guess what? He's not using his personal money for these ads. He's no. using his campaign money. Yeah. And that says something. Now, this is what we need to be keeping in mind is that um, though he spent only 100000 compare that with something running something similar here on radio or something, he would spend like $2 million. Mm -hmm. uh, this out-of-state campaign is garnering uh, significant media coverage for him. And that's what right. he needs at this moment. Yes, and, and he got free, yeah. free media coverage out of this. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, compare 100,000 with 2 million, uh, you know, do the math. Um, so I, I think there's also a desperation uh, with regards to hordes of people and businesses moving out of California. And mm -hmm. there is this uh, ad campaign to basically show... California is one of the nation's least restrictive states. Um, but this is something that people need to keep in mind. Just recently, the state, state legislature uh, passed more than a dozen bills expanding the access and funding for abortion. Mm -hmm. And not just that, uh, uh, they also placed an initiative on the November ballot, bringing up a change in state constitution with regards to contraception and abortion. So mm -hmm. this is just one step towards impacting the, uh, the very constitution and making laws with regards to promoting abortion. Mm -hmm. In all this, this is what I would say, Gabe. Uh, one thing is clear to me that Caesar is interested in the whole man. Uh, yeah. He is not just interest, interested in the political man or the economic man or the psychological man, uh, but he's also interested in the spiritual man. And that's what the church needs to understand. Uh, his slogan uh, on the billboard in Texas itself shows that. It says, Texas doesn't own your body. You do. So in doing so, what, what they're doing is basically bringing autonomy and utilitarianism mm -hmm. and sacrificing liberty at the altar of progressive political arrangement. Mm -hmm. and that's what we need to be careful about. In all this, I will, uh, I'll reiterate what Eric Lutz was saying. You know, it's a sin issue. Yep. Uh, this arrangement is basically against the idea that we are sinful. Uh, mm -hmm. Here, the problem is basically not sin, but limitation. Uh, in this case, the limitation of access to yeah. health services, right? So there's always this idea of changing uh, language and what it means. And that's happening here in this campaign as well. That's um, right. See, he is using that very biblical language of Gospel of Mark. Uh, he wants you to love your neighbors, but not the biblical way, but his way. Mm -hmm. And that's where we need to be careful about. Do you think that this marketing campaign is actually working for Gavin? I mean, is California excited about it? Is, you know, what's the, our businesses even more frustrated that their money's now going to this out-of-state abortion marketing campaign? Like, what's on the ground happening? What's the response there? Uh, sadly, it's, uh, people are silent about these issues, particularly here in California. I'm not seeing much uh, campaign here on either side. And this is very strategic as well, you have to see. So if you see, look at the Democratic Party right now, no one is engaging with this, this issue as it is streamlined through the means of this campaign at, at this moment through right. Newsom's involvement in it. So that must be a part of strategy that they are uh, playing at this moment to bring about a unified understanding of where the issue is. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not that they're not concerned, but they are very strategic in terms of streamlining it. Uh, mm -hmm. But there's something that happened recently and something we need to be careful about is, again, there's a 
there's an attempt to redefine the term. Uh, if you remember Stacey Abrams, who yep. recently said this, and I'm going to quote her here, there is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of women's body. Incredible. And now, again, there's, a, there, there's an attempt to now, uh, you know, basically redefine the whole idea of heartbeat into cardiac activity. That's mm -hmm. what it is, meaning that beating activity in a developing heart. And that's problematic. And we need to be really careful. Uh, what, what we need to be doing is continue our fight. We need to ensure that particularly convenient talking points does not deny the reality and truth of humanity in the womb. And mm -hmm. church has a role to play there. Church has a role to re regain its prophetic voice in mm -hmm. the culture, in speaking more for life, speaking on behalf of those who can't. That's right. Jacob Daniels, thank you for joining the Water Break team this week, man. Appreciate you. Pleasure. Thank you. So Moscow, Idaho is back in the news. Um, like Mississippi, Idaho has exercised its state's rights to end abortion. This has caused, uh, in my town, uh, the University of Idaho to release a statement that says, university employees cannot counsel in favor of abortion. Uh, and they can't form uh, contracts with abortion providers or dispense emergency conception contraceptions like Plan B. And that they are to remain neutral regarding abortion when it comes to counseling. Uh, Rhett Burns is, is here to join us to, to discuss this. And one of the things that this got me thinking, Rhett, is that um, even though this is by no stretch of the imagination some sort of like hard deonomic law here in Idaho that we've adopted for pro-life, but even, even the laws that we've adopted, it's, it's a heartbeat law that the University of Idaho is referring to, and they have to now be in, in conformity with the laws, um, it still shows that laws restrain wickedness. Even with the university, the university is just saying, hey, to the counselors, you guys can't counsel kids to have abortions anymore. We have a, we're, we're in Idaho, and they have a heartbeat law, uh, and, and so forth. What's your take on, on kind of the restraint that this abort, uh, pro-life law is bringing here to Idaho? Sure. Well, it reminds me of things uh, that, you, that you've heard over and over again from people where they say, like, you can't legislate morality. And mm -hmm. when I hear that, I think, well, actually, you can't legislate anything but morality. It's just a matter of which morality, whose morality are you going to legislate? And so it's true that you can't legislate morality to an extent where you're going to change someone's heart. But as you pointed out, you can accomplish a change in behavior through uh, through law. And I think that's what we see here um, with University of Idaho is uh, they are now changing where you, you can't counsel for abortion. You can't provide right. uh, you know, plan B and, and other um, contraceptives. And so uh, I think what we see here is, you know, why God gives us the civil magistrate. In Romans yeah. 13, you know, right. he gives us a civil magistrate in order to punish evildoers. And then that has the effect of restraining evil. And so we get the uh, the change in behavior, um, which is just a net po uh, positive good. It's so, so beautiful. Do you know where you're in South Carolina? Do you know where South Carolina is at in relationship to uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned and so forth? So we we have a heartbeat bill that has it was under a court injunction and then it was in effect for about six or eight weeks and now it's back under a court injunction. Um, we uh, our house uh, a representative passed a bill just a couple of weeks ago um, 
that uh, was a fairly strong bill. Not everything that I would want. It went to the Senate. Senate tried to put in, uh, tried to soften it a good bit. Uh, they passed a bill. I think the House this past week didn't concur with it. So it's hung up in legislative process trying to get something stronger than a heartbeat bill, which is has passed, but is currently not in effect or enforced because of being uh, tied up in the courts. Mm-hmm. And and what do you what do you say uh, to um, you know your people about you know we for the longest time have disconnected the Bible from politics, the Bible from culture, and and the Bible from our laws. Even you know you run as a politician, you you should not run as a Christian politician. You can run as a politician who is a Christian. <laughs> There's a big difference there. You know how do you counsel your people when 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 I see Idaho. Um, passes heartbeat bill and I see University of Idaho all of a sudden sent out this email that went national. I mean, the national news picked up University of Idaho's email here and just the, the positive benefits from even the play that's been run here in Idaho. You know, how do you counsel your, your people through the political um, through to engage in politics uh, with a, with the pro-life stuff or just anything in general? Well, this past week, I was preaching uh, preaching the book of Mark right now. And this past week, um, to the point we're talking about John the Baptist and, and that account where he goes and, and he tells Herod no. And so we were talking about the fact that sometimes as Christians, we need to be prepared to tell uh, to say no on ethical issues. And that includes telling our government no. And so we want to encourage those who are in politics. And we're doing that with Christian legislatures and, uh, and our sheriff here in town and others and just really encouraging them to uh, to act in accordance with what you say you believe in your office and mm. to govern in such a way that accords with justice and, and, and accords with truth as revealed in the scriptures. But we tell our people that, you know, Christ is Lord and his word is authoritative and that includes over our governments. And so we need to uh, press for our government to, uh, to govern and rule in such a way that accords with that truth that we find in the scriptures. Amen. And to not back down from that and be willing to say, no, you, you may not, you may not do that. You may not kill babies in the womb uh, in the same way that John the Baptist told Herod, no, you may not have your brother's wife. That's right. And what's crazy to me is like the liberals believed in morality. They believe in their God more than we believe in, in our God and the morality and implications it should have out in the world. I mean, Governor Newsom is sending a marketing campaign nationwide because he believes in his own morality and he wants his morality to be forced on others. And that goes back to that old axiom of you can't legislate morality. I've only heard that from Christians. I, you know, for the most part, I've heard that from Christians as an excuse to not press the scriptures into the public square. I haven't heard that necessarily from unbelievers. And maybe that's just kind of where I live, cultural Christianity, Bible Belt in South Carolina. But I've mostly heard that as an excuse to not press the scriptures out into the public square, uh, whereas the left has no issue at all pressing their morality, their beliefs, their vision of the future uh, into the public square. And that's why where we are uh, today in a lot of different issues. Right. Thanks for coming on the water break, man. Appreciate you. You got it. Thanks so much. So there's a lot going on right now in our country. We got November elections coming up. We got, you know, accountable to you getting kicked out of the Google app stores. We, we have um, all this turmoil around these pro-life laws and so forth. Idaho is being picked on right now because it's in the federal courts. Our um, heartbeat bills are in the federal courts right now because we're in the Ninth Circuit Court, which is the most liberal uh, circuit court in the U.S. Uh, and and uh, we're under attack 
it, to keep our life, our our Idaho pro pro life. But you see the benefit of these bills already coming down to play, restraining evil, restraining wickedness from University of Idaho. I'm encouraged in a lot of ways. I mean, Jesus is King. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we are living in tumultuous times. But I also think we're living in great times. I mean, I think the gospel is going out in a way like it never has before you know, that I haven't seen in the last 40 years. I do see areas and pockets of reformation and revival happening in our culture. And when and when God brings this kind of turmoil, He's working. It, it might look like a little chaotic, but He He is working. You know, so don't fear. Um, the uh, the culture wars that are ahead of us and ahead of our children. Disciple your kids for this moment. You know, Jesus is king and collisions are gonna happen. And we need to trust, we need to trust in, in God and rest in his sovereign plans. Build on what God has in front of you. Don't don't try to think bigger than what you should be thinking right now. Build on what God has in front of you. Family, job, church, community. Uh, and until next week. Uh, there's going to be no water break show next week because we're going to be in Knoxville at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. Hope to see you there. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is the water boy with water break. When tyrants take over, what's the first thing they do? Disarm. It happened in Russia, China, Germany, and most recently, Afghanistan. Why? Because disarmed people are easier to control. And over the last century and a half, American tyrants have been carrying out a slow, methodical disarmament that no one is talking about. State education. Tyrants know that education is warfare. Our rulers have a vested interest in making you totally harmless. They've got big plans and they don't want you getting in the way. Think about it. Would you rather fight an army decked out with high-powered rifles or a bunch of dinky water pistols? They know that if you can think critically, you're a threat. At New St. Andrews College, we want to graduate men and women who are dangerous. Dangerous to the world, dangerous to the principalities and powers, dangerous to spiritual wickedness in high places. Education can either arm you or disarm you. It can make you a threat or make you a useful idiot. So, where you get that education counts. Click the link to apply to New St. Andrews College today. Home, it's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy.